Hey everyone, I'm Johnny. I'm Victoria. Welcome to Tasty Pages, a podcast from Cooking the Books. Each week, we'll discuss a featured cookbook. And we'll rank each book in a variety of categories, including food photography and styling, degree of difficulty, and of course, taste. This week's featured cookbook is... Eating Out Loud by Eden Grinchpan. Hey, Johnny. Hey, Victoria. How are you today? Happy Labor Day. Happy Labor Day. <laughs> yes, we are recording on Labor Day. Yeah, like most people, we're probably uh, doing nothing, just like you. <laughs> Staying safe. Yep. Put on a mask. Um, hey, episode eight already. Look at us. Eating Out Loud. All right. Uh, before we dive in, let's take care of some brief housekeeping. There is a support button at anchor.fm slash tastypages. Please consider making a donation if you like what we do. Um, you can also go to our store section on the webpage, and that will take you to our Amazon affiliate page. And there's some uh, links on there where you can make purchases for yourself or the home cook in your life. It's basically kitchen essentials, and yep. then there's another area for books that we like. Um, we don't get paid to endorse anything, so go check it out. Yep. Best of all, it doesn't cost you a penny more. Um, so it's a way you can support us and get something cool in the process. Uh, before we dive into this fantastic book, let's, uh, just talk about a few things that we've been up to. Um, we've got a couple cookbooks that just arrived, um, in the mail that we're considering for a future feature that we figured were worth mentioning. Victoria, take it away. Uh, the first one is Green Feast Autumn Slash Winter by Nigel Slater. We love um, us some Nigel Slater. Yep, we've worked out of one of his books before. Um, I've read his autobiography. His recipes are always really top notch. And now that we're coming into winter or coming into fall and winter, yep. I'm actually kind of looking forward to that kind of cooking. Yep. Um, it doesn't seem like we've had a summer at all, so... He's a really fantastic food writer as well as being a you know a great chef. Absolutely. Um, and that's sometimes rare with cookbooks. It's either either or. So looking forward to checking that one out. And then I'll let you mention this one because you'll probably be working primarily from it, although I am <laughs> going to take a shot at a couple things. Uh, the next one is called The Good Book of Southern Bakes by Kelly Fields. Um, and also, when we do our baking books, like right now I'm currently also working through One Tin Bakes by Ed Kimber. Yep. When we do our baking books, we do maybe one recipe a week because, you know... Don't, don't think we're sitting around eating baked goods all day, every day. Nope. Our friends and neighbors <laughs> are usually the recipients of a yes, lot of them. They are the beneficiaries as much as we loved eating baked goods. So you want to hear what we're having for dinner tonight? Of course. It's going to be good. Most important thing. Uh, take it away. All right. So we have some leftover smoked turkey legs. So what I'm going to do is make a yellow split pea soup. I'm going to... Um, Simmer the turkey legs, fry up a little bit of bacon, some onion, make make a really solid uh, soup, and then we're going to pull the meat apart, put it back in. It's going to be great. Yep. I'm looking for, I'm getting hungry already thinking about <laughs> it. Now, these turkey legs are left over from uh, episode five, Destiny, or was it episode five? No, it was episode seven. What am I thinking? Yeah. Uh, Destiny. And so if you listen to that episode, you probably heard about these fantastic turkey legs. And our time at the Renaissance Festival. Yep. Huzzah. <laughs> That's what's going into these. So this will be a nice dinner. We're going we're gonna to develop a recipe based on those turkey legs. So uh, look for that in the future too. Um, 
Wanted to briefly just mention that we've been watching the Chef's, Chef's Table barbecue series on Netflix. We went through the first two episodes. Mm-hmm. They're both pretty fantastic. So if you're foodies like us, uh, check those out. First episode was great. Tootsie Tominitz, 85-year-old head chef at Snow's Barbecue. God, I want to be like her when I grow up. Man, She's amazing. I'd like to be like her now. <laughs> right? Her arms are like tree trunks. <laughs> Man, in a in a at an age where many people are enjoying their twilight years, she's like working the pits. Uh, yeah, tossing K- kudos tossing to her. hot coals around like like it's nothing. All right, so let's get to it. We yeah. have a lot to discuss in this book. We made a lot of different recipes. Yep. Um, which is kind of a testament to the, testament to this book because it was so good that. It was hard to pick. And plus, there were a lot of other, like, some little sides that we were like, yes. Yep. We got this, an advanced copy of this. It's out now. Um, This is from Top Chef Canada host, Eden Grinchpan. She's very popular on social media. She's a graduate of Le Cordon Bleu, London. She's traveled around and cooked in many countries. The One of the interesting things about her culinary education is she did both. When you go to culinary school, usually you choose uh, one or the other, baking or pastry. And she was a superstar and did both of them. Um, she also just recently, uh, or she opened a restaurant called um, Des. It's in New York. Des, D-E-Z. Um, so if you are in New York, pretty brave to be open in a restaurant during these times. Right. Wow. Good for her. Um, all right. So I think 2020 will likely be remembered as, uh, among other things, (laughs) the year of (laughs) Middle Eastern cookbooks. And I know we have featured several of them in recent months. This is another one. For and us, this is the good thing to remember about 2020. Yes, exactly. All of our Middle Eastern food. Um, the subtitle of this book, Bold Middle Eastern Flavors for All Day, Every Day, gives you kind of a, a description of what's to come within these pages. And it's got uh, over 100 recipes. Um, pretty simple home cooking, I, I, would, I would say. Yep. Uh, and I mean, even though it employs a lot of Middle Eastern ingredients, there's nothing that's like really out there that you're going to have to special order. Um, if you have a reliable um, Middle Eastern section in your, or even just a small one. Yeah. They're pretty common um, ingredients. So, mm-hmm. And, you know, like most cookbooks these days, there's a small section at the beginning where the author just writes about her uh, you know, her biography, her experience. And then there's a small section on kind of the essential Middle Eastern pantry ingredients. But otherwise, it just pretty much dives into Gets the recipes. Right into there's yep. not a lot of extra, you know, language within the pages or anything. So if you want to just get to the recipes and get to cooking and look at some beautiful food, uh, food photography, this is the book for you. Yeah, it's pretty straightforward, which is really refreshing sometimes. Yeah. Um, let's start with the first dish we made. Uh, sun choke hummus. Um, this was basically a hummus, but uh, it gets kicked up a notch with um, sun chokes. You just boiled some sun chokes. And if you don't know what those are, they're also called Jerusalem artichokes. Yeah, we're big fans of them here. We've used them before. They're woody and nutty, and they just kind of add an extra dimension. And Homemade hummus is so different from the stuff that you buy in the little plastic containers yes. at the store. It's... Um, so much lighter and fresher. And I do have to say one thing, and this is a personal 
preference for us. And I, I know you felt this way as well. Um, I felt like it could have used a little bit more garlic and a little bit more uh, kick of citrus. Yes. Which would be pretty easy to adjust to your taste. Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, if you've not made homemade hummus before, it's ridiculously easy. And if you have a, a quality blender like a Vitamix or something, it gets nice and creamy texture, uh, which is very pleasant. Um but aside from the sunchoke, this is a pretty classic hummus recipe. And I think a lot of the recipes within these pages are just really thoughtful, kind of clever twists on classic dishes. So, yeah. you know, not reinventing the wheel, but certainly adding her own little stamp on it, which is which is really cool. What more can you ask for from a from a good cookbook? Um anything else to say about this? I mean, we just got some Store-bought pita bread and served it with that, and it was it was fantastic. Um, it makes plenty. You'll have leftovers. Yep. So if you store it in an airtight container, you should be good for a week or so. I had some homemade bagels from that uh, Adina Sussman Oh, from Sababa. Yep. And I threw some hummus on there for for one of them for breakfast one day, and it was it was great. Nom nom. Yeah. Uh, all right. Next dish. I believe this was the first one thing we made from the book. Correct. The shakshuka? Yes, it was. All right. Take it away. Well, we had a little bit of a snafu with this one. Not really, but we had got... um, The store only had rainbow chard. Um, So our our very green was looking a little bit red. Can I let you in on a secret? I might have got the rainbow chard trying to be cute, thinking that it would photograph better. Of course you did. I, I didn't even think to look for just the regular green Swiss chard. And, you know, the name, Very Green Shakshuka, should have, you know, <laughs> been a, a, a precursor to what was to come. And then I was trying to be all cute. Don't get I cute. saw that beautiful rainbow chard in the grocery store and thought, oh, this will photograph nicely. But not if it's a very green check shoe. That'll learn you, Balmer. Yep. So that I have to take full responsibility for that. But uh, that said, there was still plenty of green to there go around. There was so much green. There yes. was like dill and fennel fronds and... Uh, so now I'm sure everyone, if you're tuning into the show, you know what shakshuka is. You've probably seen countless photos of it on Instagram because it's kind of having a moment. Um this is just yet another clever spin on it where you just pile on a ton of like green fresh herbs and it just gives it a little bit different look and it was tasty. Yep. There was some fennel, you got a little bit of bitterness from the chard and then it was it was like a herb or herb. herb. <laughs> look at me getting hey, British. We're in the UK. <laughs> um it was like an Herb. See, I want to be um, illiterate there. Herb hurricane. Yes. But it was like an. It was this herby, wonderful thing, and then the eggs get baked in there, and they're nice and soft, and a little bit of diced jalapeno for just a hint of heat. Yep. Nice. So yeah, I mean, as far as shakshukas go, this was this was a good one, and uh, th- this was a great way to kick off the book. Oh, and it also had a green tahini sauce too. That is right. Um, which so- was. Delicious. So not only did we make a um, a hummus, we made a tahini. And one thing, if you've never made a tahini before, it'll start seizing up before mm-hmm. it gets creamy because uh, you add ice water and you just have to beat it and beat it and beat it. And then it will get nice and... Did you use the Vitamix for that as well? Do you remember? 
Um, I well, first I made the actual hummus, mm-hmm. and then I put it in the Vitamix okay. with the um, parsley, the parsley, cilantro, and mint. There you go. So, because that probably helps, kind of at a high speed, kind of agitate it and, and mix it up. I yeah, imagine. I mean, it was already to how I need it to be when I yeah. put it in the in the Vitamix. So cool. Yeah. All right. Good job, Victoria. Why, thank you, Johnny Ballmer. <laughs> All right. Uh, the next dish we made, slow-roasted, fresh cherry tomato salad with feta, right? Yep. Basil. You want me to keep going? Keep going. Honey. Yes. How's that sound? It was delicious. Yeah. And we've got a bounty of fresh cherry tomatoes from our garden. So it was a perfect way to use up some of those. It's peak tomato season. We've actually been roasting a lot of cherry tomatoes lately. Roasting them and canning them. And yeah. and this recipe was actually kind of what inspired me to do that. Right. Because the roasted tomatoes were so good. Uh-huh. And here's the thing about this recipe is it tells you to make... Um, a dressing, and I would do that because sometimes when you're roasting tomatoes, you might get a lot of juice from them, mm-hmm. and sometimes it just evaporates away. And um, you got lucky with this one. I did the tomatoes. Well, you dress the tomatoes. Uh, well, there's a whole head of garlic that goes in there and yep. roasts with it, and it gets dressed. My kind of recipe, right? It gets dressed with um, with honey and olive oil, and it's just so delicious. So. I would make your dressing, and the dressing is really easy. It's just red wine vinegar, honey, olive oil. Um, But I was just able to take all of those juices from the roasting of the tomatoes and dump it. No dressing needed. Yeah. So we saved the dressing for another night. Little side note, when a recipe calls for one clove of garlic, we usually say, oh, how (laughs) cute. And then we throw in about six or seven cloves. So... I don't think we did that for this one. No, I mean, it's got a head of garlic in there. It's my (laughs) kind of recipe. It's perfect. And that may seem like a lot, but when you roast the garlic, it gets yummy and sweet. Well, and the cherries get this very focused, sweet flavor. It like brings that out and like amplifies it. And I'm so good. It always surprises me when you eat those because he had a traumatic um, cherry tomato incident as a child. You make it sound like <laughs> I'm a survivor, cherry tomato survivor. <laughs> Never forget. No, I think when I was in uh, preschool, that was like lunch one day, and I still vividly remember them. You know, like basically force feeding us because I was like, no, I'm not interested. Don't like. Them. I don't know why I didn't like them. I just decided without even trying them that I didn't like them, and then they were like, nope, you got to eat them. And so they basically, you know, this was like the '70s when you know you could abuse kids at school right and most of your vegetables <laughs> and, came from a can yeah so yeah so I'm, I'm not i'm not one to pick a fresh cherry tomato off the vine like victoria will Ooh, yes. and just eat it but you throw them on a pan and roast them with some garlic and i'm all in absolutely give me more um this was a great dish absolutely and, and like you said we've been roasting them Preserving them in a jar with you put some olive oil in there. No, I haven't. I haven't had to put any. Wow. Well, I mean, I dress them with olive oil, but yeah. again, I have enough juices to go in there, and I um oh, and also with a little bit of uh, citric acid too, just for yep. the canning. And so our our hope is that you know the next epic cheese plate we decide to construct, we'll just have like some of these cherry tomatoes that yep. we've roasted that we can toss on the plate, use it just, as like a jam. Yeah, mm-hmm. just smear some of those on like a piece of bag or a cracker or something man 
I can't wait. We got to get get going on that. I know. All right. Uh, next dish. Take it away. This was a good one. Sesame schnitzel sandwich with harissa honey and tartar slaw. You had me at sesame <laughs> schnitzel. <laughs> Uh, so, you know, basically, this was a fried chicken sandwich. Yes. Which is not a bad thing. What's not to love? Absolutely nothing. But that said, we've never had a schnitzel before. Uh, I've had a sh- Well, I mean, I think we've had them at German restaurants. I know I've absolutely had them, but I've never made one. Yeah. Um, I mean, considering that I went to Germany in high school. I lived in Germany when that's I was right, a wee lad. Did. Maybe um, I ate schnitzel then and I just don't remember. Did. Hmm. Um, but yeah, we've never made schnitzel. It's super easy. You just pound out you pound, <laughs> you pound out the meat. Yeah. God, I'm juvenile. There's a joke in there somewhere. Of course there is. Um, um it gets coated with some Oh, the the coating was great. Yeah, panko and sesame seeds. This was a new one for the us. A little extra something with the sesame seeds. Yep. It, it gives it like this lovely nutty flavor. Yep. Which I, and Chef's I, kiss. Mwah. And I, uh, <laughs> I really appreciated the, the. It's called like a tartar slaw, um, but it's got. Uh, we use some vegan mayo. I know we've talked about this before on previous episodes, but we usually keep some from uh, the book "I Can Cook Vegan" by Isa Chandra Moskowitz in the refrigerator. Neither of us are fans of regular mayonnaise, and it's not something we ever really eat. Ugh. Yeah, it's not good. Um, Sorry if you like mayonnaise, but not our not our it, jam. It's our hill to die on. Yes, uh, but the vegan variety that we make from scratch is really tasty. And if you're looking for a little dressing for a sandwich or a slaw like this, it's perfect. Um, and then there was like some fresh dill in there, some capers, pickles. Yeah, basically it was it was a coleslaw with tartar sauce. Yeah. Nice and simple. Mm-hmm. Then there's nothing wrong with you. Don't need to reinvent coleslaw. Yep. I mean. And then the harissa honey, you know, hot honey is all the rage these days. This is just a spin on that. Yep. Uh, well, you make, well, and the thing is you can either make your own harissa or it is readily available. Throw some honey in there. Yep. Mix it up. Ooh, the cherry on top of this dish. Oh, our watermelon radishes. Yes. <laughs> okay. We're just excited about this because we can never find watermelon radishes. I swear to God, you see them in every uh at least in every cookbook, every, you know, there's always one photo with watermelon radishes. They're always gorgeous. I've never seen them in a store. So what'd we do? We planted some. Yep. In they, our garden. Yep. They're very, they're very small. So they're really, they're super hot. They're super sharp. Yeah. Um, but we haven't picked all of them and our dog Olive decided to go ahead and dig, dig up, up that, that little pot. Planter. But. We managed to salvage a few <laughs> for this dish, and that was kind of the cherry on top, especially concerning the the food photography. So yeah, we were but, able I mean, to get some. The whole sandwich was. Oh. Look at us! We're getting all excited about watermelon radishes. I mean, well, because it was a very special. This was thing a, for us. A, again, like we sound like a broken record, but it was like this was such a clever twist on you know what a, a familiar dish to a lot of people, mm-hmm. and you know we've done some like. Nashville hot chicken, fried chicken dishes in the past and stuff. And this was, you know, just kind of reminiscent of yeah. that, like all those flavors. But, oh, so good. Um, one of my favorites from the book, I believe. And the, the photo turned out great, too. Big old, big old messy sandwich. Yeah. Might need a couple napkins. Uh, I think I think I ate that with a fork. I absolutely. Beach towel. Just wrap a beach towel around you. An Eden tarp. Yep. <laughs> hey, hey. There we go. That's an idea. 
<laughs> Look for them soon. Tasty pages, Eaton Tarp. I'm gonna I'm gonna start sending Available them out for Christmas in our web store. <laughs> All right. Uh, hey, Sharmula pork chops with Lebna and charred shallots. Ooh, that was good. Well, uh, this was a really simple dish too. Like maybe six ingredients. Yeah. Um. When you have a dish this simple, it's important to start with real good quality ingredients. And so for us, that meant getting these thick heritage breed pork chops from our friends at Avram Farms in central Wisconsin. They don't pay us. We just love them so much. Yes. And, uh, you know, everyone probably has a, a similar butcher shop or farm in their area that they can source quality meat from. Um, and this, man, those were good. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing is, we could, we, no matter how a, um, a book tells us to cook pork chops, we will always cook them sous vide first. Yep. It's just so, it's so reliable, so easy. Well, and I don't know what the experience of our dear listener all five of them yes thank you we love you pork chops can be a challenge it seems like they go from being under to being way too much in the blink of an eye yeah yeah i don't get it a pork like tenderloin pork loin is not like that it's just chops yeah um so yeah i mean so we do sous vide it kind of takes all the guesswork out of it Mm -hmm. perfect every time um, we featured the book sous vide from Hugh Atchison last year, and it has become a regular, uh, rotation, uh, that we reach for all the time whenever we do steaks, pork chops, all that stuff. But, um, okay, enough about that. Enough I about know. other books. I know. Come on now. But, but you know, it's just, it's, it's, task. it's just, uh, worth noting that you can, Deviate from the recipe if needed. If if the end result is you're going to have these delicious pork chops with this lebna and you know everything else there, the shallots were so good. When you yep. caramelize shallots, all that you know, all the sharpness goes away from them, and they get nice and sweet. And and then I love the cool, the like creaminess from the lebna, which I was going to mention was the first time that we've actually purchased some. There's been many books that we've cooked from that have called for it. And because we almost always have Greek yogurt in our refrigerator, we just will default to that because it's similar enough. And it just means, you know, one less specialty ingredient that we have to buy at the grocery store. Yeah. But we actually broke down and got the Lebna and it was really good. It's yeah, it's just a bit firmer in th- texture. Thicker. Yeah. To me to me personally, I feel like it's a cross between like the the texture, the firmness is like a cross between cream cheese and I would say kind of like uh farmer cheese yeah i was gonna mention farmer cheese which i love too um man this was a great dish uh needless to say there was no leftovers no and that that spicy charmula is that how you pronounce it yeah Yeah. Uh, it's made with um yeah that's just a bunch of spices like coriander cumin look at me mispronounce i'm (laughs) look at me mispronouncing all the words today um coriander cumin Cumin, <laughs> preserved lemon, um, which is another great thing to keep in your fridge. Yep. 
uh, garlic, Aleppo, sweet pepper, olive oil. Super simple. Flavor it's a bomb. flavor flavor bomb. So yeah. All right, and then lastly, and I'll let you talk about this because you this was all you. You you were the baker on this one, and oh man, was it good. All right, um, strawberry sumac mini. Well, it's sumac strawberry mini pavlovas with vanilla whipped cream. So here's the thing: I don't like marshmallow or meringues. They're super easy to make. They're beautiful. I mean, I get marshmallows and meringues are different. Uh, meringues, they're these beautiful, sweet little fluffy c- clouds. Uh, what you do is you just whip egg whites and sugar, and then you bake them for you. Put them on a silpat or parchment, bake them for about an hour at 225, and then you turn that off, let them just chill out, dry out on the oven, and then you have these little sweet clouds. For me, personally, it's too sweet. Yes. Uh, the Just even thinking about biting into one yeah. makes my teeth in the back of my head rattle. Yes. Um, but then, it's, then you have it evened out. Uh, you take some strawberries, you macerate them with a little bit of sumac, which adds this nice citrus kick. Yep. Um, and those are just those are just slightly sweet because it just gets a little bit of um, sugar and lemon zest as well. And then you make a simple um, vanilla whipped cream. Yeah. Well, once again, introducing sumac into the you know otherwise classic dish, and man, it was great. But I, I do agree. Sweetness level, just from personal preference, was a bit much. Um, these pavlovas seem to keep okay, too, if it's something that you're not serving immediately. Yeah, keep them in an airtight container. Yeah. Um, or also, if you want to get really fancy, you can just make one big meringue. and mm. or, or, you know, make one big meringue, some little meringues, and you can have this whole lovely presentation. Yeah. But... So yeah, we enjoyed these. They were good. Um, it was it was actually a nice change of pace, like for the baking to do something that was not a cake or a cookie or a pie. I got I got to start like making some um, pot de cremes or flans or so I need to do something in the custard family. I've I've kind of been I, lacking. I won't complain. I've been lacking on that. Let me get to it. Yeah. Um. So there you have it. Those were the dishes. Um. You know that's a good sign of a book when we're paging through and we're having a real hard time narrowing it down. And I think, what did we choose? Seven dishes. And we could have easily picked two, three times as many. Oh, So this this has definitely earned a permanent spot on our bookshelf. And we'll be revisiting it again. Um, now we've arrived at the point where we actually rank this book on a scale of one to five in a variety of categories. You kick it off, Balmer. Beginning. With food photography and styling. Um, I had no complaints about the food photography and styling in this book. I gave it a five. There are, in addition to the food photos, which are gorgeous, they're very stylized. The color is boosted um, just so slightly, not obnoxiously so, but it, you know everything's very vibrant. Um, in addition to those... There are some very personal, candid photos of both Eden and her family and friends, and it really gives you a very clear uh, point of view, Um, and that's the sign of a great cookbook all the time, I think, is just, you know, 
having the author's uh, vision and, and point of view just like very front and center um, makes you want to hang out with her. Yeah. She looks like a fun person. Um, lots of hands in the photo grabbing stuff. A few flat lays. I'm a sucker for a great flat lay. And there was uh, plenty of those in there. Um, nothing's very fussy. Nope. Presentation-wise, like there's lots of, you know, scattered bits here and there. No, no fussy plating. The the pot will have like, you know, some residue on the side and, and it looks like it just came out of the oven and no one bothered to like, you know, wipe down the edge because it was being like very preciously presented to someone. So um, very rustic. It was great. Well, here's my thing about this. Okay. okay. I gave it a four. Okay. I feel like... And it let me just state for the record, it does appeal to me. Like I, it really appeals to my aesthetic. I feel that there is kind of becoming a status quo with actually, you know what? I'm going to discuss Whoa. this during, I'm going to discuss this during layout and design. I think that goes more, okay. more to that. But for, i I did give it four. I thought for, I was going to change your mind again or something. No, <laughs> nope. Um, I gave it four. The food photos were really beautiful. And, uh, like you said, there were only, there was only like a, a handful of, um, like the light of what I like to call the lifestyle photos, you know, with, with, um, with her and her, with Eden and her husband and her adorable little daughter. And, um, so yeah. So with that, let's move to layout design. Okay. Okay. What'd you have? I'm going to give it a four, Okay. but there's something that I want to, I feel like there's kind of becoming a status quo with how books are, if you even look at the front cover, it's really beautiful, but it also reminds me of um, Paul Cahan's book. If you look at the font and the way the photo is, and I just feel like there is kind of becoming this status quo in design, like with the hand photos, you know, and the fonts. Well, and it's funny that you mentioned that. But I like I, it. I believe both of those books are from the same publisher. Okay. Clarkson Potter... Little John, perhaps? Little John? Little Brown? Little John? <laughs> I'm thinking of like Robin Little Hood for crying out loud. My apologies. <laughs> it's Clarkson Potter. Yeah. yeah. Um, I know some of these publishers have kind of in house design designers. teams, yeah. and, and, you know, and so it does not surprise me that you might encounter some books that have a similar aesthetic, mm-hmm. um, which is not a bad thing. It's just oh. an observation. Very astute on your part. Good job. Why, thank you. All right. Um, I gave it a five. Okay. I had I had no issues with it. Um, most of the recipes contain a photo of the finished dish, dish, and it's a gorgeous photo. And so if you're the type that wants to kind of see what uh, <laughs> what you're aiming toward, what your what, what your dish should look like, this is this fits the bill. Um, yeah, and I mean everything kind of made sense. You know, most of the recipes are just on one single page, and they're very clearly described, mm-hmm. and you don't have to do a lot of flipping back and forth or anything. So I, I had no problem with the layout. I mean, it's pretty typical of most modern cookbooks. So yeah. Um, next category: degree of difficulty. What'd you have? I gave it a two. Yeah, it's which is a good thing. It, yeah, it's a really user friendly. Super yeah. user friendly. 
you know, I, I feel like someone who doesn't cook a lot could open to any page and successfully make something. Yes, I would agree. And that's, and that's admirable coming from someone that does have culinary training mm-hmm. and is now a, a restaurateur where they could have easily went a little too in they that get- direction and made it like this chefy book with lots of bells and whistles. And, and she showed great restraint. Um, this is the, the type of cooking that most people do at home, including us. Um, as long as your pantry is well-stocked, um, I can't see that you'd have any difficulty making these dishes or, and it wouldn't even require much grocery shopping. Um, do you think of anything that there was, that was a little out there ingredient wise that maybe someone might have to procure or order online or anything? Uh, maybe in some of the recipes that we didn't cover, but goddamn new jealousy. I think we just need to break down and get some where order them. We'll Uh, order them online. Yeah. There's Either. always the internets. Yeah, I've heard of that. <laughs> hey, if you guys have any suggestions on where to get into jello seeds. I'm sure Google can uh, take care of that nope. for us. I want to take the long way around. <laughs> Hook us up, people. You gotta, if you got a Nigella seed connection, don't be stingy. Share it. <laughs> All right. So our last category is taste. All right. What'd you have? Oh, this thing got a big old five. Yep. Everything was me too. Amazing. I, I mean, I think we've said all we need to say. Well, even just looking back on this list of of meals that we made for that week is bringing back those memories. I, I know. And I'm, I'm just, just like, like oh, that was good. That was good. So there was nothing where I was like, <laughs> didn't really like that. Yeah. No. I mean, everything was great, and I have no doubt that everything we'll make in the future will be will be pretty great as well. So nicely um, done, Eden. Yeah. Highly recommended. Um, one of our favorites. I'm sure once we start compiling a list of year-end favorites. It's going to be up there. Yeah. And along with a lot of other Middle Eastern books, right? it's just kind of like how things have went um, this year and, and what we've been cooking from. So fantastic job. Thanks for listening. Uh, Victoria. Take us home. All right. So if you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review it. Uh, You can find us on the web at wecookbooks.com as well as our Instagram um, at we underscore cook underscore books. Um, And our Facebook is wecookbooks at wecookbooks. Um, Production assistance was provided by Danny Schaefer. All right. Hey, you know what time it is? Uh, it's It's the moment I wait for every episode. Joke time. Food joke time. Uh, so, Victoria. Uh, yes, Johnny. Bacon and eggs. They walk into a bar. Ooh, I love bacon and eggs. Yep. Bartender says, hey, you guys need to leave. We don't serve breakfast in here. <laughs> no? No. Oh, sorry. That's all I got. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. <laughs> Enjoy your week. All right. Bye. Hey, Victoria. You know what time it is? Uh, is it joke time? It is food joke time. Hey, there was this uh, news story recently about this uh, fire at the cheese factory in France. Uh-huh. There was debris everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a fantastic week. Bye.